Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. On this episode of the Front Office Podcast, Sean and I dig deep in the Kyrie Irving fiasco, the James Harden situation in Houston, and the sights and sounds of the NBA. another episode of the front office podcast i am pleased to be joined by the bro sean gant worker sean i know your basketball brain has just been exploding this last 24 48 hours how you doing buddy i'm, I'm doing okay it's crazy like we're, like the basketball is obviously very interesting. The implications behind the basketball are so interesting, and we have this intersection of insane like stuff of a political nature mm-hmm. with the sport I love, and it's just there's just no escaping it, you know. So uh, it's a uh, it's I'm in an existential crisis, but there's a, a lot I'm enjoying, you know. It's a very complicated spot to be in. It's it's almost. Everyone, you know, feels bad about accidents, but still everyone looks at them as they pass by. It creates log jams on the freeway of life, so to speak. And I think that we've had a bunch of different just accidents just pile up, 15 pile carlups day after day after day. The first one, I think, is probably uh, uh, Kyrie Irving. Um, Kyrie was uh, he's been he hasn't been playing lately for the Nets. Um, And. He was seen at, at partying, getting down without a mask, uh, social distancing, as well as being on a Zoom call. Um, what's going on with Kyrie Irving? I mean, on a broader picture, I just want to say everything about the Kyrie Irving situation makes me angry. Mm. Just, just very angry from a personal perspective. Because um, I think we have given him the benefit of the doubt time and time again and written off these as idiosyncrasies and, and perhaps mental health issues. And I, I'm very charitable to that. Uh, at the same time, when a guy continues to show that he's irresponsible, immature, I think eventually we have to stop making excuses for him. And I think that's really come to a head recently, uh, obviously with Kyrie Irving. What more does he want? Like, what more does he need? He got out of Cleveland. He got, out, he got out of Boston. He left destruction in his wake. He got to Brooklyn. He got Kevin Durant there. What, what, what does he want? I don't understand. And uh, they got Steve Nash there. They undermined him at every turn. And now we have this situation coalescing with COVID, with Kyrie, with all the, all the craziness happening at the Capitol where we are making excuses and also condemnations of Kyrie Irving when we have no idea what's happening but at the same time, he's not saying anything. And he is a, essentially kind of like a public servant in that he is a celebrity. 
we help the fans help pay for his uh his salary you know with tickets and revenue and jersey sales like obviously if he's going through a crisis i don't want to feel like we're impeding upon him but at the same time like we need to stop making excuses for his nonsense you know i think and, and i definitely appreciate your 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 um analysis on that i i liken what Kyrie Irving is doing i liken it to him fasting and when i say that no disrespect to what fasting means you know it it and that doesn't and i am believer when someone says no disrespect they immediately disrespect no i'm not disrespecting it i don't yeah so <laughs> i think in his way you know he's burning sage i think it's for him he's trying to figure out i am not in the right frame of mind to play to go to work and i need some vacation days and we all feel that the the difference is is that we aren't under the microscope everything that that gets thrown into his pto is his salary and what he does for a living where if there's a surgeon who is just stressed out because he had three bad surgeries in a row and millions of people are are on social media telling him how bad of a surgeon he is, he may not want to go do another surgery for a little bit until he had some rest and relaxation and not have us talking about it, you know, or and in, 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 in a more magnified sense, millions of people with greater platforms than we have making him out to be a problem child because he just needs some days off. You know, See, I'm, very, I'm, I'm sympathetic to that, and I completely understand where you're coming from. But I think the issue I'm having is that you and I are both speculating. Right. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> you think he needs time off because of this microscope. I maybe think he needs time off because he's mercurial and maybe a little bit selfish. Maybe some people think he needs time off because he's having some family people. Hell, maybe some people think he's taking time off to protest like the death of a, a shield babbitt and those heroic police officers uh, uh, last week right mm-hmm, right i think the the issue that we're having though is that in order to get help you need to want help right right and he's under no obligation to say look america this is my problem but we need to know there is a problem and hmm. isn't that a hipaa viola- isn't that a hipaa violation at this yes and no right it's a it's the trade off he's made by becoming a professional basketball player. I hate to say it. Okay. Like, I think the the issue is that he has created an adversarial uh, type of uh, relationship with the media, mm-hmm. where now it's open season on the poor guy. But at the same time, he's doing literally nothing to help his case. You know, I I, I think I think you're absolutely correct. He's. I, but I, I think Kyrie is so Kyrie that he doesn't feel like he owes anyone the any reason of, of why he feels a certain way. You know, and he probably doesn't, right? right? In the greater right. picture thing, like you don't owe me an excuse for what's going on in your head. I right. don't, you, I don't owe you anything regarding me. But there is a trade off. I, I like to think that if I were a celebrity, I, I think I'd be able to understand that there is kind of a weird obligation in that sense. Mm-hmm. And it's incredibly, incredibly complicated. And I don't think we're going to find, find an answer because right. he's a complicated dude. 
But I do kind of want to take this on a bit of a tangent and talk about something that angered me yesterday specifically. Yes. Uh, where there's something called being performatively woke. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I heard that yesterday for the first time. Go ahead. Right? Where I, I don't begrudge anyone using their platform to speak speak on a cause. Right. I think my issue is that we don't necessarily know what Kyrie Irving's cause is, right? Mm-hmm. We know why we're angry or we're happy with Colin Kaepernick, right. for better or worse, right? right? Right. We know why we're angry or or pissed off at Joe Biden or Donald Trump, for better or worse, right? Right. right. With Kyrie Irving, his silence, obviously, I think I'm going to agree with you that he doesn't necessarily owe us a greater explanation, but his silence leads to speculation. A lot of people said, well, it's it's a political thing, and then... Almost tacitly, after t- seven days of not saying anything, he shows up on that Zoom call. Right. And it's a terrible <laughs> look optically because his team's playing. Kevin Durant's getting buried by 18 points and then heroically comes back, plays great basketball. But at the same time, he's on that call with Cynthia, Cynthia Nixon of Sex and the City and Linda Sarsour, an uh-huh. unrepentant anti-Semite. And we're supposed to gener- generously thank him for caring about civics in New York? Like... Right. Optically, that's a disaster too. Like, so are we going to give him credit for being invested in things while also not looking at the greater picture? Like, I don't understand what that's serving, and I think he'd be better served by getting a good circle around him, maybe a good PR team, and frankly, a very good therapist, so he can figure out where he's at. De- definitely, and 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 first off, Sean, you are a celebrity. Uh, <laughs> in my own mind, maybe. <laughs> Secondly. You're absolutely correct. That Zoom call was where I said, Kyrie, what are you doing? Because there's an option on Zoom where your face doesn't have to be on the, the call. Yes. So you wanted everyone to, you wanted everyone to know that you were there. And you knew everyone was going to talk about you being there while your team was playing. I'm not at work. I'm on a PTO. <laughs> but you see me or I'm on, uh, I have an insurance claim uh, because my back is out. But you see me at the gym working out. Right. It feels it feels like he's okay. Don't you can't if you're going to use the system, use it, but don't cheat it. Use it and use it to your advantage, but don't like make a mockery of it. Like, this is what I'm doing. And I'm not saying he's doing that, but the Zoom call made me feel like, what are you doing? It's like exactly to me, it felt smug. It's like being transparent. It's like the young lady who attacked the 14-year-old in New York wearing the daddy hat. I mean, you just some things you just don't don't wear that hat. <laughs> you know, and 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 that's kind of like where I'm at with Kyrie, you know. But then when I saw him on the Zoom call, I said, "Whoa, wait a minute. We're all thinking about this wrong. He may have a PR team saying when your team is playing in the game, you're going to go on the Zoom call and talk about things controversial, non-controversial, life, whatever. You're going to show your face on something while KD comes back and and saves the day. I think he scored 34 or something like that. Um, are they doing this on purpose? Because I'm, I'm thinking Kyrie's the type that, hey, KD, I want you to know that this is your team. I, I don't want this to be my team. I'm so happy with you. You're getting the credit that you didn't get in Golden State. You're getting the credit that you didn't get in OKC. That's why you're left there. Now everyone knows this is Kevin Durant's team. And the only way, because Karis LeVert or or one of those guys is driving down the lane with seven seconds to go. 
he's got to decide who he's going to pass to for that last shot because both of those guys are he's he's going to always be conflicted. Kyrie is saying no, he's the guy. I don't want to be the guy. Here's how I'm not going to be the guy. I'm going to get some of you people to hate me so that you love him. And and he's going to show you that his this is his team. I'm I'm just happen to be great at basketball, but basketball isn't first to me. I just happen to be a great whatever it is where he wants to put behind that. Whereas KD is a great basketball player and he wants his own team. Kyrie may not want that. And and I think we they could be playing us a little bit just to kind of set some some chess pieces in in motion. And I, I just don't un- don't know what the the logical conclusion of that is. That's all like, I can was, come up with once I saw that Zoom Irving's call. PR guy, the Joker, you know, like <laughs> does he think chaos for chaos's sake is that's what I'm is saying? Thing to do, um, maybe. I mean, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, they're both individual personalities, and maybe they're running some sort of incredible gaslighting PR stunt. And uh, if that's what happens, then, then then God bless them. You know, it's but crazy. That's what it seems if like. No transparency. All we can, all we do is assume that. Okay, there, there's something called Hanlon's Razor, right? Yes, yeah. Hanlon's Razor is uh, never attribute something to uh, to um, malice that could be attributed to a incompetence, right? Maybe we need to attri- do something with Kyrie's Razor, right? Like never attribute anything to genius that can be just uh, contributed to weirdness, right? Like I don't That's know probably if there's what a it is. to the madness. And we frankly might not know until there's a 30 for 30 15 years from now. All right. I know is... Oh, this, that's this, what it is. He was right? Dennis Rodman. He just didn't want to color his hair blonde. That, that's and, part and, of my thing, right? Yeah. Rodman would tell Phil Jackson, Michael Jordan, I got to get out of here. Right. I'm going to Vegas. Right. Instead, Kyrie Irving said nothing and left. Right. <laughs> uh, all I know is Brooklyn was expected to be a top two finisher. They are 6-6 six and six right now, 5-4 and four at home. Yep. They're struggling... Uh, they're struggling defensively. Spencer Dinwiddie, who would be the perfect guy to back up Kyrie Irving, is gone for the rest of the year. Yeah, and that's and terrible. A, exactly, and this is a team that has not found itself yet, and Kyrie Irving is doing them absolutely no favors. And whether you feel like he owes them an explanation or not, they're doing a good job, actually, of having a pretty united front around him. Definitely. Uh, and that's just a, a spoken to the professionalism of those guys, but... We're not going to know until he says anything. And until then, you and I can do six different podcast episodes where we come up with different solutions, right? But we're not going to be able to find them. And it's it's frustrating from every aspect. So at this point, I don't even think you move Kyrie because teams don't won't they won't know what they're getting. And it's up if Katie and, and Sean Marks and, and Steve Nash and all those guys are okay. They may be okay with, hey, Kyrie, take the time that you need. We're, we're still okay. KD can, can kind of like solidify his, his place back on, on the throne, you know, and when you're ready to come back, you take your time. We'll, we'll be just fine because all we really need is to be an eighth seed <laughs> and, we'll be, and we'll be okay <laughs> until you can get in these playoffs because you're the best B option in the whole NBA. So, I don't think you trade Kyrie. I don't think you can. Yeah, because I don't think you can trade him. And what, what I'm trading for a guy that, outside of the organization, maybe Brooklyn knows what's going on. 
You think Houston knows what's happening to him? You think Chicago knows what's happening to right. him? You think uh, Denver knows what's happening? Because those are HIPAA violations. <laughs> exactly. Like they, they're probably just as out of the loop as we are. Maybe they have a couple back channels, but Definitely. you can't trade for a guy if you don't know if he's going to not show up, if he's going to retire, right. if he's going to flame out, <laughs> right. if he's going to bail on your guys. Right. Like you, just, you just can't. You can't right. do it. You know, and, and not, the, not the tragic ending, but this kind of reminds me of the... Uh, Brian Williams slash Bison Dele. Oh, God, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it kind of reminds me of that, and that just came to mind. Not the tragic ending, but just the quirkiness, you know, and and, and let's just hope it all works out. Um, I, I hope so, too. I mean, yeah. he's a human being. Definitely. You know, and hopefully this is performative, and maybe he's a showman, because if he legitimately is going through a time of crisis, I, I, I really do emphasize with him. And uh, Yeah, well, the one thing I he did say... Wait that he wanted in Boston was that number 11 hanging in the rafters, and he's probably going to get his wish thanks to Peyton Pritchard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that trade's looking great. Yeah. Um, another team that's kind of um, um, been kind of going through a similar but totally different problem, and this is just – this is full transparency. We know what's going on here is James Harden and the Houston Rockets. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. James Harden pretty much said they suck. There's nothing here. It's not going to be fixed. It's time to go. Would you agree, yeah. Sean? Yeah, hold the coat. Well, I mean, yeah, blow it up. Get it done. I, uh, I respect Houston for what they tried to do. Right. I, I really do because, uh, like I think I said earlier on previous calls, like they had the leverage and they've gotten to a point where that team is clearly not good enough. Um, James Harden, to his credit, he did eventually show up, but he is um, – whether deliberate or not, not performing to the expectations. He looks out of shape. He is now sniping back and forth with John Wall, and uh, right. it's just unhealthy for everyone. So I, I would probably shut it down there. And, Give yourself some time. Yep. Maybe just let James Harden sit on the bench for two weeks or so. Give yourself an internal deadline. Don't rush into anything. But, yeah, pull the trigger. You know, I, I think the, the problem is when you beef with John Wall – and his bodyguard is on the same team. You, oh my god! You, yeah, you, you're gonna, you're gonna, now? you're gonna have, you might get beat up, James Harden. Like Demarcus might, like do something because he saved Draymond from going crazy on KD. He stopped that. Lock in, you know. And if John Wall and Harden get the beefing, Boogie's not letting that go, you know. Yeah. And, and, that I, that's not going to be good. So I Who think are James Harden's allies on that team. Is PJ, oh PJ Tucker, just PJ Tucker, another dude who's angry and wants to leave. Ooh, that'd be I a mean, good little um little two on two little wrestling match. Because PJ be and charity, we'll just see him. You know, PJ and Demarcus would be a nice draw. I think Wall might get Harden, but but Wall put on. I mean, but Harden's got him outweighed by. 230 pounds probably so especially now <laughs> yeah, he, yeah yeah he looks like the junkyard dog actually the, the dude looks like me <laughs> yeah. you know and that's uh if anybody ever saw me that's not a compliment yeah exactly <laughs> hey so i have two trades um that i have for for james harden the first trade is a little bit easier i think i sent this to you chicago for for zach levine who has been on a tear as of late, for Zach Levine and Larry Markkinen and a few picks, two, three picks, swaps, whatever. The picks that come along with James Harden are the picks that come along with James Harden. And I think that Harden and Patrick Williams would work together. 
I think that it doesn't stifle Patrick Williams' development in what any shape because he'll be he's a great Scottie Pippen. Um, and I think that it gets Houston out of the James Harden fiasco with a player that can almost do what James Harden does in Jack and Zach Levine, as well as a, a Laurie Markkinen, who I still have faith in, who just may need a change of scenery. Um, that's the first trade. What do you think about that one? I mean, I'm, I'm of two minds from that. I think from a fan perspective, you know, putting my basketball brain behind, like, of course you want to get a superstar on your team, right? Right. Of course you want a guy who can put up 25, 5, and 10 every night and help your team, uh, a team to victory. At the same time, from a bigger-term perspective, I just don't think it fits the timetable of swapping a guy who's 25 and a guy who's 23 for a guy who's 31 and giving up some picks because... Honestly, from the way Chicago has been playing right now, I think they're probably the seventh best team in the East once they're healthy. Now, I, I thought you were going to say like fourth, but second? Okay. Okay, Sean. Not, not second, a seventh, excuse oh, me. Oh, seventh. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think offensively, they're really starting to cook. They are. I think what they did to the Clippers and the Lakers with a skeleton crew of guys was truly impressive. And I do believe Zach Levine is is stepping up to the next level. I do believe that uh, as well. I think on paper, James Harden's the better player. I think he makes Chicago better right now, but I don't think they're interested in right now, to tell you the truth. I think a team next year with Zach Levine, Kobe White, Patrick Williams, and Kobe and, and, and maybe a, a Kobe Cody Cunningham mm-hmm. is more interesting than James Harden and the absence of those guys and those mm-hmm. chances. So mm-hmm. from a win-now perspective, God bless you, pull the trigger, do it now. From a Bulls perspective, I don't think they would – do it. Okay. Okay. Let me try. Let me try trade number two then. This right. is a this is a three team trade that allows Philly to keep Ben Simmons. All right. I got Houston sending James Harden to Philadelphia. I have Philadelphia sending. Okay. So let me start this back up. Houston wants a star and a young player to go along with. They're not going to get that. Okay. No. What they need to get is, right, they need to worry about picks and they need to see if they can get a a young player who they can work with. So I think Tyrese Maxey is that player. Um, You send him to Houston to play alongside John Wall. You also allow Philly to get out of Tobias Harris' contract. You send him over to Sacramento, okay? For Sacramento's worries, you also send Matisse Thibel to Sacramento because Sac's got to get something for taking Tobias' contract, Okay. That way, Philly can absorb Harden's contract while keeping Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. Sacramento then swaps Harrison Barnes to Houston to help make up for some of that salary. And they send Marvin Bagley to Houston, where Bagley may need a change of scenery. So Houston comes out of it with Tyrese Maxey, Harrison Barnes, Marvin Bagley, and those picks. Philly comes with James Harden. Sacramento comes with Tobias, who can play the four. Um, in Sacramento, and Matisse Thibel, who can play the three alongside Buddy and De'Aaron Fox slash Tyrese Halliburton. What do you think? I, I'm not compl- I'm not opposed to it. I, I think it does make a lot of sense. I think it's going to take a lot of evaluation to think about whether Tyrese Maxey truly is that guy. I think he's quite good, but should is he is it he too young to be the centerpiece? At the same time, if you're the Rockets, right, you're no longer have the luxury of waiting this that long. Right. So you do make that decision, and if you can, and if you you can do it, then then honestly, I probably would. And the Kings are a whole nother situation where, unfortunately, I think that thing is starting to um, head downhill again. Right. 
I, I, I don't love that. And Harrison Barnes, to his credit, is starting to maximize maximize his value to the point where that may actually be a movable contract. But I could absolutely see doing a challenge trade involving Harris, uh, Harrison Barnes and just seeing what happens because that's uh, similar skill sets but different personalities. So I, I'd probably end up doing it. I wouldn't be completely happy if I was Houston, but at the same time, they're no longer in a position where they can be completely happy with right. whatever happens. Well, well, you know that Philly would be happy. I think Sacramento, oh, yeah. they won't be mad. They'll be at the same point. They got rid of Harrison's contract, and they have um, Tobias Harris to kind of compete with Buddy and De'Aaron, and who's the best player on the team. Defensively, what Tybal and Halliburton, Halliburton could potentially do together, and Rishon Holmes. Exactly. Like and that's, that's what I'm thinking. Nice and you're throwing in you're throwing in Thibel because he, he and Halliburton on the defensive end for the next ten years is it will be totally amazing. You can almost move De'Aaron Fox in a year or two. Um, you know, so you got to move Harden. You got to move Marvin Bagley. I guess more to come with with the James Harden Houston fiasco. Um, I also want to talk about hot seats. Um, the slow start of the Atlanta Hawks should Lloyd Pierce. Be worried, and with Washington and Scott Brooks, um, what do you think? Sh- what's going to happen there? I would be very worried if I was Lloyd Pierce. Mm. Um, that team, and he can't control it completely, right? Like the injuries hit them hard, particularly around their big off-season signings. Like Bogan's limited, Gallinari got hurt. And after a really strong start where they took it to Chicago and kept up with Brooklyn, it's just, it's not translating. And it's unfortunate for Lloyd Pierce because that timetable, that timeline for that team just went up like six notches this offseason. Right. Expectations completely changed. And we were hoping that uh, those offensive improvements would help mitigate some of the defensive liabilities we know they had. And frankly, they have been middle of the pack defensively, but it's just not really not really there. So if I was him, I'd worry, particularly given the fact that Nate McMillan is on that bench, because that's a readily made replacement for that team. Ready to go. Just, just ready to go, absolutely. I don't think I'd be ready to completely call it quits on the experience. I think Lloyd Pierce is a, is a good guy. He's well-respected. And I would hope that he would have a little more time to make mm-hmm. these pieces work. But it's it's not looking great right now, you know, certainly. If, if the front office over in Atlanta were okay with the fact that Bogdanovich and Gallinari's injuries are the reason for this, then, then Lloyd Pierce's job is safe. Um, if they think that you know, maybe the ownership group thinks the moves were wrong. That could be for a Travis Schlink um, question. But they also have to decide that Bogdanovich and Gallinari, who they have invested into, will be coming back one day. And if Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter are playing now to fill in those voids, Atlanta needs to figure out, are we okay with having the trust in those young guys? Because when the other guys come back, they're going to go right back to the bench. Are we okay with those young guys being okay with that? It's kind of like Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, when Kyrie came back. You yes. know, we did just great without you. We like, is it? Will it cause conflict? Because they all play the same position. And exactly, and there's just so many guys on that team that it's tough to really tell personality-wise where they could go. Like Trey Young has now become America's most hated player. Right. Uh, some some of it he couldn't help right right some of it though is due to his style of play 
um, DeAndre Hunter really making impressive leaps this this season, but Cam Reddish, like, after a strong start, just falling off the yeah, map. Coming back down Clint, to earth, yes. Clint, Clint Capella is doing a wonderful job. Mm-hmm. Um, he's really holding up his end of the bargain. He is the reason why that team is not defensively completely abhorrent. Right. Uh, but like you said, like, they're they're tre- they're going to tread water until Bogan and Gallinari came back, and then what? You got a 11 man rotation full of unique and different personalities, primarily young personalities too, right? right. Like the bulk of that team is still developing. So the, the simple fact of the matter is the team needs to collectively decide where are we at right now? We're in a pretty weak division. That's why I wouldn't blow anything up right now uh, with, because you're just in the Southeast, right? Right. Like the magic are going to be the magic. Right. The Miami Heat look completely incomprehensible right now. Mm-hmm. Um, the Wizards, we'll talk about in a little bit. There is no need to do anything impulsive, but at the same time, it's about picking a direction. You, you, if you want, if truly want to win, consolidate some of these young pieces, get better defensively, and rely on Bogan and Gallinari to come back healthy. If it doesn't look like that's going to happen, commit to staying young and trying to work through it. You know, my thing is, don't make a trade just to make a trade. And exactly. and I can understand, you know, there are teams who pull triggers just because they feel like they need to. We have to do something, you know. Um, and with Atlanta, I, I'm a big fan of DeAndre Hunter. And I'm a big fan of Cam Reddish. But I think those young guys are going to be, they're, they're, their growth is going to be disturbed because of uh, Bogdanovich and Gallinari. And, and not that that's a bad thing because young players should have veteran players ahead of them teaching them the game. But it's just those veteran players are still very good. They're not like Andre Ugadala on the way out. They're they're thirty minute um, a game players, and there's not enough minutes to give those guys along with Trey Young and 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 Kevin Herter. You know Rondo when he's putting up twenty minutes a game, and Chris Dunn for ten. It's not so they have to almost consolidate right before those guys come back, right before the t- trade deadline or, or something because. Something's going to implode, and especially if they're still losing at the rate that they're losing. So that's what I think about that. Well, uh, I mean, let's let's go back to me being a homer again and talk <laughs> briefly about the Chicago Bulls, right? Yes, yes. I think Billy Donovan's doing a truly masterful job with his rotations. Um, getting guys like Thaddeus Young, Otto Porter, and Garrett Temple minutes. And I believe they asked the media asked Garrett Temple um, about a week ago, about him closing games, right? And the guys like Wendell Carter being on the bench watching. And he said, we were brought here to help this team to win. And part of that is to teach these young guys how to win. And that's it, right? That's what the Atlanta Hawks need to do as well. These guys obviously want to get their minutes, uh, but at the same time recognize that they do need to sacrifice some of those minutes to these younger guys while also setting a good example. And right now, I think they are, for the most part. Um, that's not translating defensively, but they're nothing but professional. But uh, when everybody gets back, uh, it's up to Lloyd Pierce to figure out that rotation where everybody's happy, where these young kids are getting the right lessons, getting the right kind of minutes, but at the same time, letting these older guys lead by example. Definitely, definitely. Um, the, the Washington Wizards are also um, playing had a less performance than we thought they would. Um, they'll Brad Bill has is, is had some great scoring games and losses. You know, Westbrook has been in and out of lineups. The rookies are still 
well, not the rookies, but uh, Denny is, is still being a rookie, and, and Rui is back, and he's he's doing quite well, actually, in his first few games. Um, they lost Thomas, Thomas Bryant to a torn ACL, so they don't have a big... Is it time to sell Brad Bill? Uh, I, I wouldn't yet. I'd give it till the deadline, mostly just because of uh, that division. Nobody's running out ahead. There's still a chance of competing. They're... they're no further back than anybody else. And I think they probably think on their best day they can beat the Charlotte Hornets in the basketball game. But um, the issues we thought were going to happen have happened. Right. Uh, defensively, that team is a wreck. They're giving up 121.3 points per game. To their credit, they have the second best uh, points per game in the league at 120, but that's partially because they play it just at a rip-roaring pace. They, they're, they're running and gunning. Um Right now, you just look at the numbers. They're expected to be a five and six team just by like Pythagorean odds, mm-hmm. and they're a three and eight team. And a lot of that is just the uncertainty of trying to figure out how Westbrook and Beal fit together. And then we can't say enough about Thomas Bryant, how talented he is, and what a huge loss that is. Yeah. So um, this team is young too. I give them a little more time to work together, but I don't think Bradley Beal is as off the table as he has been in the past. Right. Um, and that's a decision they're going to have to reach uh, before the trade deadline. I think ultimately they will move him, certainly. I don't think they'll do it in the next two weeks or so, but it just seems like this relationship is kind of reaching an impasse, and uh, I think Scott Brooks isn't going to last the year, and I don't wish firing on anybody, um, but what needed to be addressed with that team defensively has simply gone by the wayside, and uh, they're... They, I think Brad, Bradley Beal said they couldn't stop a truck, right, right. the other day. Right. And, he, and he's right. I mean, you can't rely on poor Bradley Beal to have to put up 38.8 points per game to keep this team in the contest. You just can't. It's unfair to him, and it's unfair to the rest of the guys. And they've got a lot more growing pains to go through until they can figure this out. The thing about Washington is where they are lacking is that um, rebounder, that defensive presence. You know, that center, if you will. They're, they're set at the four, the four and threes. You know, they're set at the forward positions with Denny and Rui. I think they have two pieces there that they can ride with those two guys. They're stuck with Russell Westbrook, and that's due to his, his salary. And and it's not a bad stuck, but it's not a good stuck either. It's just you're stuck. You're right there. You can't do anything with him. Um, you were fortunate. You know, it was kind of like John Wall all over again because it's the same thing. Um, so the only movable and, – and Mo Wagner is not a center – you know, Thomas Bryant always thought he was undersized, so he he never could could bang with the the six eight six nine Bam Adebayo type of guys. You know, um, so like I said, you don't move Brad Bill for the sake of moving Brad Bill. You have to figure out, okay, are we okay with getting pounded for the rest of the season like this and obtaining the number one pick? Because that's what's going to happen. And maybe an Evan Mobley out of USC, who's a seven footer, is there for us. And I was thinking that too. That solves so many problems. Yeah. And and that would solve so many problems. But what does that do? To, it's not going to affect Westbrook because you're stuck with Westbrook. But what is that going to do with Brad Bill? Like I don't want to be here and go through this, or I can wait <clears throat> for Mobley two more years to become a defensive presence. I don't know if Brad Bill would want to do that. And that would be my. I would have a real talk with with Brad Bill and pretty much say, hey. We can move you. If you're okay with this, ride with us. We'll ride with you. You'll retire here. You'll have a statue here. Um, but 
this we don't have a big and the only way we're going to get a big is waiting till evan mobley comes through our door next year hopefully i mean it's it's kind of a, a bigger picture problem with the league right now where there's just kind of an absence of those um those those defensive oriented bigs right because when they do appear they get locked down right like just look at rudy gobert like utah gave him so much money to contribute almost nothing offensively, but what does he do? He, he's a problem in the interior, and yep. he gets rebounds. He does his job. <laughs> exactly. And right now, you look at you look at guys like, is the second best defensive center right now, like Jared Allen? Is, <sighs> is the third best defensive center Andre Drummond? Like, it's so incredibly nebulous right now that for a team like Washington to have this glaring need, well, you know what? So does everybody else. Right. Um. And unless you're willing to take a risk, you're you're really just going to have to rely on outscoring teams. And uh, maybe you can do that for a little bit, but so far the proof is in the pudding, right? So I it's, think it's not it's not winning ball games. So I think, and you bring up a great point, and I was going to bring this up to them. I think those are the only two spots who should offer Andre Drummond money when he comes off the books: New York and. Washington. I think he'd go perfect in Washington if you keep Bill and Westbrook with those two young forwards. Um, still have Evan Mobley backing up Drum Drummond. I think that's your only pick, honestly, um, um, Evan Mobley for Washington, because you're going to need a young big to run with the two, for- the two forwards. But Brad Bill has to be, not even, not even West, um, Westbrook, but Brad Bill has to be okay with that. I think one of the, you said, who, who is a young center, defensive center? I'd send him to, to the Warriors and try to get Wiseman back. I think the Warriors might do that if you take Wiggins or and Ubre off my hands. I don't want either one of them. <laughs> I mean, I, I could actually, I could see that, see that being a pretty logical solution there. I mean, you can because... swap Brad Bill for either Ubre or or Wiggins, whichever the Warriors. I, I they kind of don't want they don't want Ubre because he fall. I mean, they want Ubre because his money falls off. Exactly. Um, they don't want Wiggins because he still has a ton of money. So Wiggins will probably come back with Wiseman. That would the Warriors would not want to do that, but it might be a Monte Ellis trade all over again. You know, and you're doing I, it. The, I think so too. Yeah, definitely. Also, we need to factor in there is baggage of Cal Oubre in Washington. Right. Uh, we don't need to tell tales out of school, but there's right. growing pains there. And there's definitely. There's a reason why he's not still there. Right. Um. That being said, I do see it, uh, see it logically because I think you can sell. Washington fans on a core of, you know, Denny, um, Denny, uh, excuse me, uh, Wiseman, and maybe get Nico Mannion back. Right. Maybe you get Nico Mannion back as well. You're cooking a little. Yes. And if you can get that Minnesota pick too in the margin, in in the margins. Warriors not doing that. That's beautiful. They're not giving you Wiseman. They're not giving you Wiseman and that pick. Because that pick right now is number. So Minnesota better watch out. Because that pick is top three protected, and Minnesota's probably number four right now. So Minnesota better start losing real quick. And they are. They're doing a very good job of it. The problem is Minnesota's going to try to tank. You're going to see a Carl Anthony Towns and or DeAndre Russell taking significant games off in the next few months. You know, you might see one shut it down for the year because they're trying to lose so that they can get that top three pick. The problem is they're going to probably have the worst record and still end up with the fourth pick. Because oh, yeah. that's just how it rolls. Like, it's unpredictable. Definitely. And I'll say it right here. I think Carl Anthony Towns might be our next guy to 
to just one out. The problem so is not any better. The problem is I can't see only because of D'Angelo Russell. I can't see. It's kind of like if Boogie said, "Get me out of here too," but John Wall's there. <laughs> but don't you feel like this is kind of what we we said about Irving and Durant, right? Right. Right. Oh, they're That's two true. Friends, like it's it's gonna work out. It's gonna work out. It's a business. And we thought okay. Harden and Westbrook were friends, friends too, right? Exactly. Yeah. Like Carl Anthony Towns can still text D'Angelo Russell. He, he still can. And presumably, they text Devin Booker in Phoenix as well. And yeah, we can be on. Yeah, definitely. It, it happens, and we have private jets. We can get to each other. That's true. That's true. It, so it's it's a very complicated situation. Um, I mean, changing tax a little bit. What happened with Minnesota was pretty transparent. We thought coaching might be an issue, and uh, my understanding is Ryan Saunders is a great man. Man, they yes. love him. You can't understate what his father meant to that organization, right. including what his tragic loss did to them. But from an X's and O's perspective, it's not working out. That's going to be a yep. tough decision. Yep. And when everybody knows you have problems defensively and you have um, a problem at the four, and your solution is bringing back Ricky Rubio and giving a lot of money to Juancho Hernana Gomez. <laughs> It should be absolutely no shock what's happening. <laughs> Have you been holding his name in your tonsils for this, this whole episode? One show, Hernando Gomez. <laughs> Definitely. Oh it really rolls off the tongue. It does. It does. It does. And, and I mean, it's it's just, it, it's it's awful for those, those guys that they had that one incredible Kevin Garnett year. Right. Where it seemed like they were on the cusp of the promised land with Sam Cassell and, you know, Pretty well. And it just, they just... It's the culture at the end of the day, right? Definitely. It permeates these organizations where at the end of the day, it doesn't necessarily matter who your GM is, who your owner is. I don't care if it's uh, Joe Maloof or if it's Vivek Ranadive. I don't care if if, uh, Mr. Khan is the GM for your team. Losing gets a stench upon you. It that's does. why you can get mired in, in the lottery or lottery and that's why you need to play it right. And unfortunately Minnesota is now at a crossroads where they've got half a young team that still needs to figure it out and Jarrett Culver, Anthony Ever uh, Anthony uh, Edwards, Edwards yep. excuse me. Yeah. And Josh Akogi, and then half a team of guys like Rubio, Russell, and Carl Anthony Town, who've seen it all and are just tired of losing. Mm. And it's not easy to manage growing pains and expectations, and it has killed the best of organizations. Right. And when you're a team like Minnesota or Washington, or let's hearken it back to Atlanta, bridging that gap is not easy. And that's what... So that's what takes an organization from being an elite organization. You can go through these grand pains and find the other side to the teams that just get mired in it. You know, so and it's it's, un- it's unenviable. And the thing about it is, you mentioned a bunch of teams there. If you look at all those teams and the one thing they had in common, the perennial losers, the Clippers, uh, the Kings, the Warriors, the Hawks. They weren't perennial losers, but they were stagnant. They weren't winners. Things start to change when ownership group changes, you know, yes. and, and even the Kings from 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 the Maloofs to Ronadive, you know, the losing is still there. I just think that was a uh, Marvin Bagley, Luka Doncic pick away from from being switched around. But all teams can say that that's happened to all GMs, you know, but at the end of the day, they got it right with Halliburton. Um, so I just and think that's a step in the right direction, right? You can, definitely. All, all you need is one guy. One that's all you need is one day. guy. All you need is one guy. And, you know, the thing about sometimes you have to make moves to get you over the hump. And yeah. I can see, you know, and the Warriors, like I said, they, they've 
they've made some great picks. They've got very fortunate in their draft pick, and that's what a lot of teams need to. You have to have scouts that can do their job as well. Yes. And uh, and you just need to prepare for the unexpected. Definitely. Like, uh, Be- guys get injured. Guys go off go off the map. Guys markedly improve, and it's about managing those people and and just putting a good structure around them and. Uh, it's not easy. If be- it was easy, uh, uh, there would be incredible parity in the league and everybody would be 41 and 41 every year, right? But until then, you have the good organizations and the bad organizations and the guys in between. Because at the end of the day, what Minnesota did is gave up Andrew Wiggins and this top, this pick, which could be uh, Jalen Suggs, the, the, the G League guys, Kaminga and Jalen Green, Evan Mobley, Cade Cunningham. And you gave up that guy and Andrew Wiggins for D'Angelo Russell. And, and that's <laughs> part of the thing too, right? Because we're trying to make Carl Anthony Towns happy. Right. And I see the logic there. You give him money. You give him his friend. You try to make the pieces work around him. But what happens inevitably with that, right? If it, if it doesn't translate to winning. Right. Well, you have a James Harden situation where you keep trying to make a, a, a you know a square peg fit into a round hole and sometimes and it, it just doesn't work. You know, and and at the end of the day, they did hit on Anthony Edwards. I think Jared Cover is a good player and Josh Okoji, but and Josh Okoji, but they're all kind of the same guy, same position, same, you know, they have different skill set, but they're the same guy if if, it's, if you ball them up together. And Nas Reed, I, I like that kid as well. He's a nice big with a little bit of power on him. Um but they might have to make a move too, and it just sucks that that pick may be going to the Warriors, which is going to continue to uh, make them stronger. And I also think so. Here's my trade with the Warriors and Brad Bill. It's Brad Bill, Mo Wagner, and Isaac Bonga for Andrew Wiggins and James Wiseman. Now Mo Wagner is not James Wiseman, so the Warriors are not getting James Wiseman back. And but Mo Wagner would be able to shoot for the Warriors, and that's all they need from their big. I think you do that or you move Bill to Atlanta like we were talking about with the young guys. And I've mentioned this before. You move Bill to Atlanta for uh, DeAndre Hunter. You got to get your big in the Kongwu, even though he hasn't played. Cam Reddish and then Tony Snell just to fill out the um, salary. You know, that gives Atlanta plus 10 wins and that gives Washington the youth movement to continue. And Russell Westbrook for two more years. You got to move Bill if you're going to, though, if you are going to move Bill. Those are the best two scenarios. You don't have to move Bill if he's down with the continued movement. Yeah, it just depends, right? Is he yes. the Damon Lillard type? Exactly. Is he is he in is he a ride or die kind of guy? Exactly. Or or will he get frustrated? And I think Bradley Beal's a great guy. I um I think he's had wonderful coaching from high school on up. Um, I think he's a he's a professional guy, but I think losing wears on even the most reasonable of us. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think you and I are both probably in love with that Atlanta trade. Definitely, I think it it, it, it helps both teams. teams need yeah, it definitely. It, it, I think it would be a dream come true for both of those guys, and it would immediately fill every single hole in Washington's roster to the point where I wouldn't be surprised if they don't necessarily uh, if they get better from a team perspective. And then you're going to have the growing pains, and then if you move on from Scott, just bring Robert Pack up because you do want to keep Russell Westbrook. 
you know, engaged with all the young talent. You know, you may in a year move Russell Westbrook to the to the six man award and reach and and change the name of that thing because he'll run off five or six of those things. Um, and and have and find your point guard. You know, or Denny can run the show. Honestly, um, I, I, yeah. You know, and, and that's a team full of really multifaceted players. Definitely, it multiple things. It, it could happen. Definitely, definitely. Lastly, how great. Is Michael Jordan the owner feeling just right now from Gordon Hayward and LaMelo Ball? I mean, <laughs> from a guy who is competitive, who, who makes his life off sticking it to you. Is he smoking a cigar right now? Like, yes, smoking, finally! Smoking two cigars. Yes! <laughs> Talk about a guy who... Um, Thank you, Adam Morrison. <laughs> exactly. The guy doesn't... Michael Jordan doesn't care, right? <laughs> right. And that's the best thing about him. He doesn't care what you think about him. Why? Because he's better than you. Right. <laughs> Guess what? Give Michael Jordan two weeks. He's going to make a better podcast than you and I. Y- yes, he is. He's working on it right now. Exactly. Give him a month. He'll be a better writer than, than I, a kid with a, a BA in English and a concentration in creative writing. Yes. Like, Michael Jordan is a competitor. Yes. And he's not afraid of getting slapped in the face by the media because he doesn't care what they say. So, yeah, the gay guy gave an unreasonable amount of money to Gordon Hayward. But guess what? Gordon <laughs> Hayward is playing the best basketball of his life yes, right now. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. And the Charlotte Hornets, they better make it this. Well, you, you can't keep LaMelo on the bench, first of all. My favorite for a rookie of the year. You that's can't. That's another team that's a center away right now. Exactly. That's another and, team that's a center away. And they've got Terry Rogier, Rogier who's... Mm-hmm. Um, Who's actually impressing me? Yes, he is. He's not the facilitator I want him to be, but he's kind of like Ben Gordon. Okay. In that the dude's just going to go out and light it up. You know, Lamelo La had the twelve. He he was oh, a, a rebound or an assist away from getting a triple double to be the youngest NBA player to have a triple double, and then the very next game. <laughs> He comes back and and be, has a triple double, twenty two, twelve, and eleven to become the youngest player to have a triple double. They have a point guard in him, like you said, Terry Rozier and Devontae Graham are are are. They're not giving up their spots easily, is what I'll say. And Devontae Graham right now is giving up his spot yeah. easily. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. See, but De- Devontae, I think runs can work well with uh, Lamelo. I love the Martin twins. I do too. I'm I'm very happy for both of them. Yes, they found each other. Um, they're they're playing really wonderful basketball, wonderful team oriented basketball. Mm-hmm. And that situation in Charlotte just looks so much more positive than than I think you and I expected it to be. Definitely. Uh, you were obviously right about Lamelo Ball. I was wrong. <laughs> I didn't think it would be that immediate for him. But even if the guy is not shooting, he still fundamentally impacts the game. And he is not the defensive liability I thought he would be. Right. He's second on the team in rebounds. And he's second on the team in rebounds. You know, I I love PJ and I love Miles Bridges. You said, like you said, they're a center away. I think it's Vernon Carey. He just hasn't figured it out yet. Although, shout out to Bismack Biombo. Shout out to Bismack Biombo. The the dude is playing the best basketball of his life. Yes, he is. (laughs) He's putting eight, eight and two up in a situation where he expected to play 15 minutes off the bench. I'm happy for him. Maybe you add that team to the Andre Drummond list. I think so, too. I think um, Andre Drummond would really benefit from from Michael Jordan. I really think so. Because I don't believe Andre Drummond um, 
takes the game as seriously as we'd hope. And right. that's good and bad, right? I mean, he's because in Cleveland. He was in Detroit and Cleveland. Come on. Exactly. And I think the environment that he came from in college with um, with having like Jim Calhoun and Kevin Ollie for a year benefited him from an, from an extent to when he went to that situation in Detroit where he had three other guys with the same skill set and Greg Monroe, right. Jason Maxiel, that he didn't go insane. But if he can find a good system that I believe Charlotte has, that environment where he can just ball and take uh, layups and dunks off LaMelo Ball, it would be mutually beneficial to both teams. And maybe there's something there with Terry Rogier and Devontae Graham where you can do a challenge trade right now and say, let's just do this to uh, Cleveland. Like, why not? Although then Cleveland has 19 guards. Yeah. Cle- forget what I just said. Yeah. For, forget that completely. Let's look into the offseason. But um, it feels really good right now to just watch Charlotte go through these growing pains with strong leaders both on the court and off the court because uh, that's a city – that deserves better than what they've gotten. Right. And uh, it's a bright bright future ahead. Definitely, definitely. Gordon Hayward is, is is making me eat a lot of crow, and I'm not mad at it. Keep that up, Gordon. I'm happy for I you. I knew you could do this if you could stay healthy. All I want out of Charlotte is I'd love just to see if they can get Malik Monk any kind of minutes. Yes. To see what he can do. Yes. I'm not ready to give up on that talent. It didn't show in college. It hasn't shown now, but... The guy was a name brand out of high school for a reason. Yes. And I think he could benefit from the absence of of Scary Terry and Devontae Graham. Give him some time and just allow that team to work itself through the, through these struggles. I mean, if you think about it, he had the suspension. And now he's yeah. coming back. You know, he's thinking he's the third, uh, third guard. And it's like, oh, no, I'm the fourth guard. I'm the fifth guard, actually, with Gordon Hayward. So it's kind of... It's kind of probably toying with him, maybe a change of, change of scenery or Devontae Graham or, and or Rogier, as you like to call him, may have to may have to be moved. To, to, well, that's how I stopped calling him Ro- Rogier yeah, and I, yes. because I am uncomfortable <laughs> with that name. Yes, I understand. It's how people look at Giannis on Dedekunbo's name and panic. Right. It's me except like six letters smaller. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Hey, man, I'm, I'm sorry about your bears, you know. Um, hey, the I, I, press conference I want to see real quick they did today. Absolute joke. Absolute joke. Yes. Um, I'm about ready to just kind of walk away from that because uh, I'll say this to anybody. If your organization is not willing to fight for you, then there's not really much point in, in keeping up with it. I understand fan loyalty, but when a team tells you what you don't want to hear for 25 years or so, just, just, just if they don't care, you shouldn't care, right? <laughs> Oh, poor Khalil Mack, you know, um, you know, but the thing about it is before prior to the game, they said that if Mitch Trubisky had won that game, he was going to get he was going to sign a 50 million dollar contract. And it's like, wait, no, no, we're going to lose because we can't we don't want to pay him that. You know, it's kind of I'm not paying you just because you can walk Bye. <laughs> and there's 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 no need. Um, it's a, a group that is content being liked and liking each other. Yeah, uh, being content with a, a history of a franchise that had, that was culminated four years before I was born. Yeah, and they're not interested in doing the steps that might make them less liked, but but win a little more. And uh, it's just it's it's enormously frustrating and, and very a uh, very powerless feeling as a fan. So I've uh, I've chosen like I did with the Bulls a couple years back to take a step back. 
Yeah. And to the Bulls' credit, they made the moves necessary to get me back on board, and hopefully uh, the Bears will will do as well sooner rather than later. Well, before we go, I want to tell you a, the quarterback carousel dream I had. Okay? okay, Deshaun Watson is going to find himself home in Atlanta somehow, some way. Matt Ryan is going to find himself home for the Patriots somehow, some way. Matt Stafford is going to find his way home to Houston somehow, some way. Either Carson Wentz or Derek Carr. I think it's going to be Derek Carr is going to find his way to Chicago. And I think Carson Wentz is going to find his way to the Raiders. If Derek Carr stays with the Raiders, then Carson Wentz is going to find his way to Chicago. Wouldn't wouldn't shock me. I, I I think it would be real interesting to see those guys in different environments because that's a whole group of dudes that just need a change of scenery. That's it. That's it. Yeah. That's all. A, a whole group of dudes. Everyone will be happy. You know, Derek Carr will be back with Khalil Mack. Carson Wentz will be out of Philly and Vegas. And Matt Stafford, Deshaun, Deshaun Watson, and Matt Ryan are all home. And Matt Ryan in, in New England might be dangerous. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I've always wanted to see uh, Matt Ryan in a system where the entire mechanism of that organization is around him. You know, where it's just fully functioning. And you give that guy Belichick and McDaniels. Yes. Uh, presuming that they can get the pieces because poor Cam Newton was thrown to a bunch of nobodies. Exactly, exactly. Same with Tom Brady last year, but I truly believe Matt Ryan's got another couple of years in him because he's not a guy that relies on athleticism. Definitely. He's just a smart guy with a good arm, and that's not going to go away. You know, and, and then another thing is I feel that Deshaun Watson with Julio Jones and Calvin really might be dangerous as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, look at what Deon- the absence of DeAndre Hopkins did to Deshaun Watson and right. what it did for Kyler Murray. Right, right. Because he has that winning mentality. The guy took it to Alabama two straight years on yes. the biggest stage possible, lost one, won one. The guy is, the guy is something else. And uh, I want to find him in a situation where everything's working because the sky is the limit. Yeah, because he's ready to get out of here. Maybe, some, maybe we have another problem in Houston because he wants to get out of there fast and quick as well. It's another thing where you you got to listen to your star. Yeah. You got to make accommodations. You can't make huge sacrifices necessarily, but if the guy wants you to interview Eric Bieniemy, just interview Just Eric interview Bien-Aimé. him. Yeah, just it's do it. <laughs> nope, we don't want to. <laughs> no, thank yeah. you. Or or you know, it's 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 why is his name skipping me? Uh the guy on ESPN who was the finalist for the GM position. Lewis Riddick. Lewis Riddick. Yeah, just if the stats say he's one of the finalists and you're like no, then and and Deshaun is 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 kind of hyping him up like just interview him again or give him the job, freaking give him the job. He deserves it. <laughs> Let me tell you something about Lewis Riddick. Uh having been around him for 11 months at ESPN. Okay. That guy is everything his um, the people backing him say he is. Yes. He is uh, a rare combination of a guy who's incredibly at his job who is not a jerk. And that needs to be uh, treasured in the sports industry, and it needs to be amplified to the fullest extent we can, where a guy is fully cognizant of the sport he claims to be an expert in, but is also a genuine human being who wants to impact the lives of people around him, big or small. So I think Lewis Riddick will find a find an organization oh, yeah. eventually. He's next, and he will thrive. And everybody else is going to say, "Oh, well, I mean, he 
it's just on TV, you're like, who knows? No, we, we can see it. It's right. thin of Lewis Riddick. Give him a shot, give him a team, and let's see what happens. This is going to be an easy transition, easier transition for Lewis Riddick in the front office as Tony Romo is doing play-by-play. It's going to fit like a glove. Yes, it is. It's going to have all the right kind of people wanting to work with him. Because yes. Because if you're a solid I'm going to send him my resume. <laughs> I'll send him my resume. Hell yes, yeah. definitely. When I hear Lewis Riddick and give his analyses, and, and he has a, a sense of humor, sort of like Ryan Clark as well, you know, I, I think that he could, he could be the wave of finding the player to mold and the team to mold as far as making getting a second round player in the first round because the player is just a great guy and he's worth the first round because I know he's going to go through a brick wall instead of being a diva as a first rounder. You know, he'll find those guys who have more character as a fo- as opposed to 4-4 four, four speed. I mean, I think I'd compare it to what a guy like Lynch did uh, for the 49ers. Mm-hmm. Except it's less apparent. It was less apparent, I think, for Lynch that he'd have the X's and O's down. Like, we know Riddick knows that. Right. But we know he's personable. We know people get along with him. We know he's got these relationships throughout the league. Right. He'll hire smart people. He'll hire people smarter than him to run that organization. Exactly. So much about hiring these guys is relying on them to hire the right people. Yes. Because if you hire, if you hire, let's say you're running a team and you hire me and I'm a schmuck who can't tie his shoes together. Right. Well, it doesn't matter how smart you are. Right. Because I got to, I got to keep coming back to help you tie your shoe. Exactly. Right. Lewis Riddick is the type of guy who can hire a bunch of smart people, delegate, solve the things that need to be solved, let the other people do what they need to do. Definitely. Definitely. Is there a way that that ownership group in Houston can say, hey, New England, Here's a million dollars, Bob Kraft. Can you take the guy back and give him like a GM position? Because we got to go hire Lewis Riddick. Could that work? Because <laughs> you got to worry about Deshaun Watson now. Because at the end of the day, Deshaun's gone. Even if Deshaun's gone because of the hire, there's nothing you can do to salvage it unless you say, hey, we made a mistake. Even let the guy who got the job kind of put it on him like he decided to go back home because he wants to go back home. Make him look like, you know... Knowing that Josh McDaniels exactly gave him an offer he couldn't refuse. Yeah, I mean it, it could happen. Yeah, it's just interesting that that guy uh, Nick Cesario, right, has um he's been a name for about nine years, and mm-hmm. there's a reason he gets interviewed, and there's a reason necessarily why he didn't get those jobs right. before. And uh, I think he's in a pretty bad spot. I I feel bad for him that he can't necessarily control why the biggest star he inherited doesn't like him. Yeah, definitely. That's going to need a lot of smoothing over. A whole lot of smoothing over. Finally, Sean, I know I picked the Bears to beat the Saints, and, and they didn't. I got an upset pick for you. Do it. Cleveland will beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Ooh. All right. And the Rams will beat the Packers. I, I would put more uh, stock in, in that Rams thing because that defense isn't messing around. Yes. But boy, would that be a great story for Cleveland. If I think Cleveland's happen. going to the Super Bowl. Oh, wow. I mean, I'm not going to write them off anymore after what they did to Pittsburgh. I think uh, Cleveland was... is going. They had to get that monkey off of their back with Pittsburgh. It was more than that game. And now I think Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield is about to go Oklahoma Baker. I mean, that was a behind-the-school, no-holds-barred, butt-whooping. Butt-whooping. Let's go, bully. You've been beating my tail for 100 years. Let's go. And uh, Baker Baker ain't afraid of Pat Mahomes. No, he ain't afraid. Of, he can go toe-to-toe with him. He ain't afraid of Lamar either. 
<laughs> yeah, and, so uh, Miles Garrett's not not afraid of any any at all. That. At Mitchell all, Mitchell Schwartz or that offensive line is going to throw it. Back. And those so two running backs are going to be the key. They're going to be. Can you imagine key. the story of Kareem Hunt? Uh, oh, oh wow! Was released for for probably the right reasons, but he doesn't see it that way. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. And then go to go back to Kansas City and beat them. That would be incredible. We're going to see on our next episode. Sean, thanks for hanging out with me, man. We had a great show, bro. I really appreciate you. Always a pleasure. I'll talk to you soon, man. Talk to you then. All right. Thanks again, Sean, for hanging out with me today. I appreciate you. Thank you all for listening to the Front Office Podcast. You can follow us at Front Office GM on Instagram. Um, We're looking forward to continuing this podcast, and we appreciate y'all. Be safe out there, people. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube